Listeners, just for your information, this podcast contains information that will be sensitive to younger ears. So please use discretion. This is the Village Church Q&A podcast, where our goal is to create digital, shareable, and helpful content to make disciples who will go, grow, and overcome. Welcome back to the Village Church Q&A podcast. Pastor Tim and Pastor Michael with you. Michael, last time we had a question about premarital sex. Today, we're going to go at it a little bit differently. So here's our question for today. Is sex godly? Well, the easy answer is yes, but let me just share a couple, like, I don't need interesting things about the reality. When God created sex, he created it to be the most powerful human drive that there is. Short of manufactured opioids like heroin, it is the most powerful human impulse. That's pretty amazing. Yes. Number one, it is so powerful that it binds together the most important covenant that a human will make. Other than the relationship with God, it's in their marriage. Marriage is actually becomes real with the sexual act. It's the most powerful human experience connected to the most powerful covenant that binds it together, which creates the power of life and of death. Yes. I think a lot of Christians don't totally realize that until 50, 75 years ago, when you had sex, pregnancy was inevitable. Yeah. It was probable. You know, and you could work around it and try different things, but like you never really quite knew. And so mm-hmm. with the advent of birth control and Oh, a whole bunch of other mechanisms to prevent pregnancy. People forget that, like, no, bound up in this experience was inevitably life. And people right. say, well, why do they have so many kids in the old days? <laughs> because <laughs> yeah. they weren't going to stop having sex, number one. But number two, the byproduct of that was children. Mm-hmm. And we know this, that when sex is taken outside of its boundaries of marriage, you find people cheating. You find a history of sexually transmitted diseases. Yes. Like, God has woven into the very fabric of sexual intercourse outside of the context of marriage progressive harm to Um, humanity. And there are different levels depending. So like adultery creates some of the worst harm. Prostitution creates some incredible, incredible harm. There are levels of that, but they always create a level of harm. And so it's just a powerful thing that God has woven into this. And then you find out throughout all of scripture, especially in the New Testament, if you want to like find the things that make God the most mad, Mm -hmm. it's when people mess around with sexuality. Like First Thessalonians 4, you want to know the will of God. It's your sanctification that you abstain from sexual immorality. First thing he mentions. And then he basically threatens them and says that anybody who treats somebody sexually immorally is, what is the word they use? It's um, uh, it's a very powerful word. It's like ruining them. They are trespassing. They're violating the other person. It's a powerful concept. You get to Hebrews, and it talks about the marriage bed needs to be undefiled because God will judge the adulterer and the fornicator. Yeah. You find the guy gets really personal about this. You get to the book of Song of Solomon, and Song of Solomon traces this couple up to their wedding night. Uh, chapter 4 is their wedding night lovemaking scene. And then it goes into the first uh, verse of chapter 5, and then here's what happens. They are in this marital lovemaking scene, and it's all poetically driven, but it's very clear. And then this person shows up mm-hmm. in the bedroom. It's actually really shady. <laughs> and while they're making love, says to them, eat, friends, drink, and be drunk with love. And it's God. Some people really struggle with that term sex. Well, let's call it intimacy because it's really the most intimate act of a husband and wife. So when we think about how animals reproduce— Animals reproduce through sex, but not all animals do. God could have had animals and humans reproduce like the amoeba. He could have done some other means in which 
reproduction or procreation takes place. Human sexuality is unique and powerful. But he chose to use intercourse to do that. And he chose it for a godly reason. And one of the things that our culture has stolen is the fact that, well, human sexuality is no different than animal sexuality. And that lie, that says, well, you know what? You can have friends with benefits. Mm -hmm. You can hook up with someone and it not hurt or because it's only a physical act. There's no emotion attached to it. And I would say to that person, tell that to that teenage girl that was forced to have sex with her boyfriend and then he broke up with her. Yep. When you really talk to that teenager or that young adult or that 50 or 60-year-old that's gone through premarital sex and then been a, a left, a broken up, whatever you want to call it, with the one that they thought they were committed to, mm. tell me there's no emotion attached to that. Want to have a fun conversation? Yes, let's have a fun conversation. Let's just uh, let's give our listeners who got this far into this episode. If you're <laughs> if you're listening to five seventy nine and you're like however many minutes in, you've been around a while. Maybe you're new and you're like, oh, I want to know what he's going to say. So I'll just maybe Dan will cut. Our producer will cut this. <laughs> we'll see. I don't know if you know this, but I've always had this strange um, habit of studying sexually transmitted diseases. Oh. And I'll tell you where it came from. Yeah. So when I went to Michigan State University, there was some orientation class, and they had said, like, uh, by the time people leave, between 15 and 70 percent of the students will leave with genital warts, genital wow. herpes, whatever. And I was like, I am not touching a human being in this place. I didn't really need the deterrent. It was insurance. Yeah. <laughs> like God yeah. gave me, you know? It was encouragement not to. Right. So here's an interesting reality, though. So I have been keeping my eye on the CDC and antibiotic resistance. It's actually truthfully one of the scariest things for the future of humanity. I'm yep. not trying to be gloom and doom, but if God's going to smite the world, it's going to be with antibiotic resistance. So gonorrhea, um, you can go on the CDC website, watch videos on this. It's yep. really, really amazing. So in the 1970s, they had a, a strain of antibiotics. There's different levels of antibiotics and, and uh, categories or classes. And so um, by the 70s, the first category, it became resistant to. And it would be mm -hmm. resistant in like different parts of the world. So you'd have like sexual epicenters like Beijing and Moscow and different things. They would become resistant more quickly than other places. By the 80s, uh, a second level, a second class of antibiotics. And each in each class are different, you know, level, different kinds of power, power Strengths of the antibiotic. Yeah. So by the 80s, that that next level is done. By the 90s, they go to the next level. And then by the end of the 90s, that's done. And they go to whatever. So now we are on the last class of antibiotics that resist gonorrhea. And of that last class, we are in the last two antibiotics. And the resistance has already started to happen so that individually those antibiotics don't work. They have to be mm. used in conjunction with each other. Now, it's still treatable, but the latest guesstimates are that by – I just processed this. By 2020 – 80% of worldwide global cases of gonorrhea will be untreatable. Oof. Now, process this. Currently, there are 900,000 new cases of gonorrhea in the United States of America per year. Wow. Forget about the global reality. So one of the effects of untreated gonorrhea is fertility, infertility, yeah. infertility, infertility, not fertility. <laughs> uh, infertility uh, obviously pain, different things like that, early death, et cetera, uh, increased um, uh, susceptibility to multiple other sexually transmitted diseases, primarily passed by women who don't know that yeah. they have it, mm -hmm. uh, and then they give it to men or whatever. So just process this whole world. We move into a future 
where by 2020, 80% of the world, and their guesstimates, I think, were by mid to like 2025, gonorrhea would be untreatable unless somehow no. the drug industry comes up with this. By 2050, chlamydia will be untreatable with mm. antibiotics. Like, there's only so far you can yeah. you can go. Now, think about all the other like infections that inevitably ana- like grow resistant to antibiotics, and there are limits to these, you know. Yeah. And uh, it's just an interesting thought. Like I was thinking through like all the plausible futures of everybody with gonorrhea is no longer to have children. Yeah. And just think about the population. Like you would almost be mandated to teach in schools that abstinence is the only way to assure you will ever have children. Yeah, you would think so. And then, it, I mean, just process the implications. Yeah. And, and uh, it's one of these like unspoken of realities, but like, again, just go to the CDC website and, and look at their videos and gonorrhea and their articles. And it's really scary. We're entering historically into this threshold of antibiotic resistance and sexually transmitted diseases that we are no longer going to have control over. The hope for millions of people globally is that in the next two years, which doesn't seem to be happening, that there will be some new, more powerful antibiotic that deals with it. But we're at a point where they're so powerful that yes. they do so much damage to other parts of your body right. that you can only do this for so long. But right now, it seems to be nothing. 2020 is the 80% threshold. By 2025, I think, is uh, it's nuts, man. You think about this and like woven into the very system of God's method of sexuality just avoids all of it. Yeah. If we would simply follow God's design, which is one woman, one man in a monogamous relationship, yep. the sexual intimacy is wonderful yep. and it's safe and it's godly and totally. it's exactly the way yep. God planned it. I want to write a book now about this and like a dystopian future where you have <laughs> classes of people, right? Where the ones who want to have families, but what do you do if you want to have a family, but you fall in love Mm. with somebody who, you know what I mean? Like you think about the implications of this and relationally and socially, and you create different sexual classes and, and, you know, well, we already got it. So who, you know what I mean? Like you can just imagine the interesting downward spiral of society as antibiotic resistance becomes a real thing. Yeah. Anyways, that was a little, that was a little rabbit trail. That was a little rabbit trail for our listeners. You're welcome, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe next time I'll deal with uh, other STDs and some other things you'd never wanted to know. Yeah. We can talk about herpes on college campuses. That's a whole nother. So somebody (laughs) ask about that, and then we will answer that one. There you go. (laughs) Well, listeners, please come back next time where we're going to start a whole series of questions about God's will. (laughs) 